Somebody else to remind me later where I just put my glasses. So if people ask me why I take my glasses off, I can't read and wear my glasses, but now I can't see you. So if you're sleeping, I would have no idea. Hey, um, I want to take just a moment and uh, give a little bit of voice to what's been going on down south. Um, and I just want to remind you of the calling that we have as a church uh, to be a mosaic. Uh, I want to make sure you know uh, that we stand in opposition to any group that promotes any kind of racial superiority. We believe that's from the pit of hell and it's Satan's way of dividing us and what we've watched uh, makes us sad. It grieves us. For those of you who, are, who continue to be hurt, I just wanna say, uh, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry that that continues to be a part of, uh, part of how our country is, is moving and it does seem like we're getting more and more divided but at the same time, God's doing this amazing thing here. And I just think this is our calling to stand in opposition together. So this is the last week of the B series. So you want to see this t-shirt anymore on me. I'm looking forward to actually wearing something other than a teal t-shirt. Uh, and we've been talking about what it means to be who God has called us to be. The first week we talked about being the solution, that we can step into to other crises, we can, we can be a part of the, what God uses to bring about solutions. We talked about uh, being the one person that God may use in the lives of others. We talked about being the difference makers, right? And last week we talked about being change agents for God. And this week we're going to talk about the, the, the way that we can be using our gifts to accomplish all of the things that we've talked about for the last four weeks, that our gifts and our passions matter when it comes to how we operate. But I want to start this morning by asking you a question. Just stop for a moment and think about metropolitan Detroit. Think about the entire region. Think about the Christian faith. How many churches do you think there are in Metro Detroit? Think about all the denominations, all the independent churches. How many churches are there in Metro Detroit? <laughs> a lot. Well, actually, it's a trick question because the truth is there's only one church. The, right? The church is made up. The church really is all of those people who have said yes to Jesus, who have put their faith in Christ, and we come together regardless of your local expression, regardless of your denominational tie, regardless of where you come from. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you become part of the one true church, the one church. And here's what I believe, and I see it in ways that I've never seen before, uh, but God is uniting his church to accomplish his purpose. I believe that it's a supernatural act of the spirit in this day when, when everything seems to be going in a different direction in our culture, I believe that God is bringing the church together in a way that I've never seen. God is using his church for his purpose. So if you think about it, just here at Grace, we had the opportunity just a couple years ago to join with uh, five other churches to plant a church downtown with Sunny. And if you remember the churches that we were working with, there was a Presbyterian church, a Baptist church, a couple non-denominational churches, all having kind of a different sort of uh, worship expression and what they do. And, and here these six churches come together and we plant a church and no one ever got caught up in doctrinal silliness. We just wanted to, to launch Sunny and to bless Sunny 
and to see another church thriving in Detroit. That's a, a powerful picture of the churches coming together. We're right in the middle of relaunching another uh, uh, program exactly like that, where it's a couple of churches who are predominantly African-American in the city, a couple of churches that are predominantly white in the suburbs, and then you got us kind of in the middle there. These five churches coming together, I think it's fascinating that one of the churches is really conservative, while one of those churches is extremely charismatic in their expression, yet we're coming together, we're locking arms, we're all putting money in, we're all putting leadership in to plant Boyd White and his church in the city of Detroit. It's a beautiful picture of the church coming together. Right now, the churches all over Metro Detroit are raising up an army of volunteers so that we can teach every willing third grader in Detroit to read at or above grade level. We got churches in the, yeah, it's amazing. We got suburban churches partnering with city churches and launching new sites on the west side and new sites in, in central Detroit. We're going from having three sites uh, currently to having 10 sites this fall. It's an amazing thing, but it's the church coming together, the true church coming together for God's purpose. And the bottom line is this, if we wanna accomplish all that God has called us to, then we have to have the right people doing the right thing in the right places and they need to be doing it for the right reason. The good work that God has prepared for us to do, his church is way bigger than Grace Community, it's way bigger than any one leader, and so God is pulling his church together. If you've been around Grace for very long and you've listened to me teach, then you've heard me talk about Ephesians 2.10. It's very central to who I am and, and who we are as a church, but the, the passage says that we are God's workmanship. The word workmanship is the same word we get the word poem from. We are God's poem. We are God's work of art. And it says that we are created in Christ Jesus to do a good work that he prepared in advance for us to do. We are a work of art prepared for a specific something. Right, Ephesians 2.10 is telling us that we are uniquely designed, uniquely equipped to do something specific for the kingdom of God. I want to ask you a few questions, and I just want you to answer them honestly in your spirit as you just listen to them. Do you know what you're supposed to do? Do you have a sense deep down that you could be or that you should be contributing more? Do you feel like your life has great meaning and that you're making a substantial contribution? Are you crazy busy, but the busyness is just busyness? What if you could live your life with a heart full of gratitude and excitement? What if you could live your life with a deep sense of fulfillment? Wouldn't you want that? I think we all do. And the good news, Jesus has made a way, right? But it only happens, it only happens when we live into who God made us to be, when we're doing the very thing that God created us to do. Then that fulfillment, then that rich life begins to happen. It only happens when you live into your gifts and your passions. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning, gifts and passions. Grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you are uh, on social media and you want to check in on Facebook, that would be great. We love it when you do that. If you want to post anything you hear today, we love it when you do that. Just so you know, there is nobody listening to us on the web stream because it's not working at this very moment, or at least that's what I was told. But we would love for you to uh, tweet whatever it is you do and let people know that God is doing something in here. Okay? So this uh, chapter in, in, in chapter 12 Uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 4, but verse 1, Paul says these words. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed, right? So Paul knows that it's, and he's the writer of Corinthians, and he knows that it's critically important for the church in Corinth to know all about spiritual gifts. Regarding spiritual gifts, it's incredibly important that you are not uninformed. So then the rest of the chapter is him informing them about spiritual gifts, and that's what I'm going to read for you. So 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4, he says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There's a variety of services, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For the one who is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between the spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and is many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free. We are, excuse me, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose, If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greatest honor. And our uh, unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part of that that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27 says, now the body of Christ and individual members of it, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Just so you know, that is not a hierarchical list. That's the same as A, B, C, D. 
Paul is not saying that these people are more important than these people. It can read that way. Just needed to clarify. Verse 29 says, are all prophets, are all, are, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And then he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. If you're curious what the higher gift is, I encourage you to read chapter 13, where Paul lays it out very clearly and lets us know what it looks like to hold love at a higher than our, than our gifting, but we don't have time to unpack all of chapter 13 too. Let me pray for us. Lord, there's a, a lot here. I just pray that you would give me wisdom in these next few minutes to speak what you want me to speak, to say what you desire uh, our people to hear. I pray that we would be informed about spiritual gifts, that we would have a real sense of what it means to live into and out of the gifting that you have given us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to do today uh, is inform you about spiritual gifts, and the best way I know to do that is to just start with a definition. So spiritual gifts, and it's going to come up here, but we're also going to put it on the big screen, um, and I'm going to use this definition kind of as an outline for the talk, but spiritual gifts are the ability given through the Holy Spirit to every believer to the glory of God and for the betterment of people. So the first thing we would see in this is that spiritual gifts are abilities. I'm not really fond of the word abilities, but I couldn't find a different word that I liked more. But it's really a, uh, an aptitude. It's an, it's an ability to be proficient at doing a particular task or a function, right? It's, 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 it's not only what you're good at, but it's also the thing that you do kind of without even thinking about it. It's a thing that you can do very naturally. It's, and it's also something that you do that really fills you up. So an example of gifting, if someone has the gift of hospitality, that means that they are the kind of people who always seem to have space for other people. And I think sometimes we, we think hospitality means they can cook a great meal. You can cook a great meal and not have the gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality is sort of that I am never inconvenienced when people stop in. I'm never inconvenienced when people want to talk to me, that I always have room both in my heart and in my home for people to come. And somebody that has the gift of hospitality is actually energized by other other people coming and their ability to bless other people and share with other people. That's that picture that I want. It comes very, if you know somebody that really has the gift of hospitality, their house is always open. People are always just stopping in. People come and they never seem annoyed or perturbed. They're not worried about the fact that there's, everything's not in a perfect place. It's just a matter of just welcoming people in. But that's what gives them life. That's what gives them energy, right? So if a person has the gift of administration, and I like talking about this one because I don't understand it at all because I have none of it. If the gifts were in order, this would be the bottom one for me. But it means they like working and putting things together and they like spreadsheets. They like charts. They, they love having a list and working off of a list. They love knowing where everything is. I don't know where anything is, but they love all of that. And they get, they're, they're energized even by being kind of behind the scenes and, and putting things together and doing that administrative work. It's something that gives them life. So, so it's more than a, an ability. And that's why I wasn't really fond of just the word ability. But you get it. It's, it's more than just ability, right? And we have to discover what our spiritual gifts are if we're going to do something that gives us life. So I asked the question, do you want to be more fulfilled? Do you want to have more, more excitement in your life? Well, one of the ways to do that is to do the very thing that God has created you to do because it becomes very life-giving for you. So part of the journey for you, if you're informed about spiritual gifts, is to figure out what are 
my gifts. So spiritual gifts, they are abilities given through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse four through six. I would just encourage you to keep um, the, the passage open. So uh, it says in verse four, now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There's a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. This is critical for our understanding. In order to really understand spiritual gifts, they're more than skills. They're more than abilities. They are a divinely appointed abilities. They're given by God through the Holy Spirit. The verse six, it says, the key thing here is it says, God who empowers them all. Not all the people, God empowers us, but right now he's saying God who empowers all the gifts, God who puts them into place. Through the Spirit of God, we are empowered to use the gifts God has given us. And because God empowers us, we can do more than if we were doing it on our own. So when you see someone working in their giftedness, empowered by the, the Holy Spirit, it's a very beautiful thing. You saw it this morning when Norflet was leading worship. That's part of his spiritual gifting, and you see him do that in a natural sort of way, and it's life-giving for him, and he's fulfilled. And Norflet couldn't do what he did this morning on his own. It's a Holy Spirit-empowered sort of thing. We see it when Mel leads worship, when John leads worship. Actually, we see it when Phil Johnson is greeting at the door. You see it when Lloyd Copton is out in the parking lot and organizing all those guys, and he's greeting you when you get out of, out of your car, and he's making you feel welcome before you even get to the door. Those are people who are working in their giftedness, doing the very thing that God has wired them to do, and it seems very natural for them, and it's life-giving for them to do it. I think you see it with, you know, Joel, the way I know Joel, that's part of his wiring. It's part of his giftedness. So for him to lead small groups is a perfect expression of the gifts that God has given him. But verse six also says, God who empowers them all to everyone. And this is critical. Spiritual gifts are abilities given through the Holy Spirit to every believer. You are gifted. You have something to contribute. You need to let this one sink in. You need to agree with the truth of this scripture. We need to leverage this truth. You are gifted. No more of the self-talk that says, eh, I have nothing to contribute. The church really doesn't need me. That makes this passage to be incorrect. Spiritual gifts are abilities given to everyone. So some of you, it's gonna be hard for you to do this, but I want you to look at somebody across from you, look to the person on your right or your left, whatever works for you, and just say to them, I am gifted. Okay, look to the person on the other side and just say, I am very gifted. So here's the deal. We laugh when we say this. We even sort of cringe at saying it. It feels sort of braggadocious, right? Like, I am gifted, <laughs> right? But the truth is, that's what the passage is saying. And it's not bragging. It's actually godly humility to say, I'm gifted, but I don't even know why. All I know is God has given me some abilities to do some things. It's God-given, and I am gifted. And you need to get to the place where you can say, not only to your neighbor, but to your own spirit, I am gifted. (laughs) 
First Peter 4.10, we're not gonna turn there because of, of time, but it's gonna come up on the screen. First Peter 4.10 says these words. He says, each of you has received a gift. What does that tell you? You're gifted, right? You can't get away from it unless the Bible's not true, and we're kind of working on the premise here that the Bible's true, right? That's kind of how, that's, agreed? Okay, so each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. We are all given gifts, right? And 1 Peter 4.10 is saying now you need to use your gift. You need to steward your gift. You need to put your gift into play for the kingdom of God. To steward something is to use it in a way that's productive, is even to grow it, to get better. So, so we steward our gifts when we begin to use our gifts and we get better and better at using the gifts that God is, has given us. We become more effective in the way we apply our gifts, right? So that's what 1 Peter 4.10 is telling us. You have a gift, and you are commanded in this passage to use your gift because it's an expression of God's grace. God loves you so much, he pours out his grace on you that he bestows you with gifts. First, go back to the 1 Corinthians passage. Look at verse seven. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. We are gifted, right? Say it one more time. I am gifted. This is good. You see, you didn't laugh that time, so it's starting to sink in. Your giftedness is not for your own benefit. It's always for the benefit of others. I said it a few weeks ago. You were saved to serve, right? You were, whatever God has bestowed on you, he bestows on you for the benefit of others. But he also bestows it on you so that when you are operating in your giftedness, people see God in you. When you do the thing that God has called you to do, the way God has called you to do it, people will begin to see the image of God reflected in what you're doing. Again, I would say that's what we saw when Norflet was leading worship day. He reflects the image of God when he's working in his giftedness and doing what God has called us to do. Spiritual gifts are abilities given through the Holy Spirit to every believer to the glory of God. There's another passage in 1 Corinthians, we won't turn there, but most of you know it. It says, whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, or sleep, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, right? And whenever we live as God intended us to live, whenever we do the things God has called us to do and empowered us to do, we will do it to make God known, that people will see God in us. It's an expression of who God is. So it actually says it's a manifestation of the spirit at work in us, meaning that people can see a see God in us. The problem that we get into here is we forget that this is for the glory of God and we suffer from a disease that I call see-me syndrome. Yeah, have you ever heard of see-me syndrome? We all get it at times. I have to tell you, I suffer from see-me syndrome on a regular basis. It's the need that I want to be brilliant when I come up here. I want you to see me. I want you to like me. I want you to be impressed. I want you to be entertained. Whatever it is, all, all those things that are more about me, and it's not uncommon for God to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, um, it's not about you. Right, But the truth is we all suffer at different times in our life because of our insecurities, because of our need for affirmation, because of maybe what we didn't get in our childhood. That's why we have things like soul care coming up. But there's things that we need. And so when we think we need it or we don't, we think we need it, we, we begin to, to want to draw attention to ourselves. We suffer from see-me syndrome. But we're not new to the see-me syndrome thing. Jesus knew about see-me syndrome. So he warned us about it. He said, hey, in Matthew, he says, don't practice your acts of righteousness 
before men. Don't, don't give generously to be seen by others. He said, look, do what you do in secret. Don't worry about being seen. If we all are, are prone towards see-me syndrome, and we need to be aware of that because the passage is telling us that we do this, we serve to the glory of God, to make God known, not to make ourselves known. That's super important for us. To the passage that we read in, in uh, Peter says, to each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. The, the, the spirit is manifested in us when we serve in the way that God has called us to serve. Why? Not for our good, but for the common good. Spiritual gifts are abilities given through the Holy Spirit to every believer to glorify God and for the betterment of God's people. We are to apply the gifts as God has given us to better the lives of those around us. In our passage, Paul uses this powerful illustration of the body. And if you go back and you read that a few times, there's things in there, subtle things that are gonna begin to jump out at you. But really, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture of who we are as a church. And it's just one of those uh, illustrations that really we can hold on to. As many of you know, I was in a kind of a scary bicycle crash about a month ago. Uh, landed on my head and my shoulder. If my dad was there, he would have said, good thing you hit your head or you would have been hurt because he said that to me a thousand times as a kid growing up every time I hit my head. But anyway, I, I landed on my neck and shoulders, went off the front of the handlebars um, and I sprained this shoulder, but I sprained what I think they call a, the AC joint. And if there's a doctor in the house, you don't need to correct me later because it doesn't really matter. It's just an illustration. Um, <laughs> The point is, there's this little tiny part of my shoulder right here that's about this long, and that's what I sprained. But literally, for a couple weeks, the first week I couldn't even hardly put on a shirt, I couldn't pick up a glass of water with this arm, I, I, it just, it was so painful, I just, I, you know, and even now it's hard for me to sleep on my left side, and I'm not telling you all this so you feel sorry for me, there is a point. The point is, this little tiny thing in my body that I didn't even know that I had, I didn't ever, no one ever told me about this little section of my shoulder. I didn't know it existed, gets injured. And my body doesn't function the way God designed my body to function. Now, could I cope? Did I get through? Sure, of course. But, but there's things that I was supposed to be able to do. I couldn't lift anything over my head with my left hand. There's just all kinds of inconveniences that came with it. I wasn't functioning the way my body was designed to function because one little thing got askew in my body, this little thing that I think it's called an AC joint, and again, you get it, right? Do you ever break a toe? Yeah, just how painful, and you think, well, what? I didn't even know I used my toes, right? But you can't even hardly move, right? Or, or you ever sprain an ankle? Like, it, just, it doesn't take much of an injury when you start to realize how important all the different parts of the body that make our bodies function the way they're supposed to function. And here's, here's the thing that I love about this passage. In verse 22, and it's not gonna come up on the screen, but, but in verse 22, Paul is saying, look, we think that there's parts of our body that aren't important, right? He thinks that they're, we think that they're weaker parts of the body. And now he's talking about the church. And he says, you think that there's things that are unimportant, but he says in verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, that's the word for us, indispensable. We are not able to be the church 
that God has called us to be. We are not able to function the way God has called us to function until every one of you are engaged in using your gifts. You may be that little tendon and it may seem to you I'm not important, but look, something isn't gonna move the right way. Something isn't gonna happen the way God wants it to happen because you haven't put your gifts into play for the kingdom of God. The passage says your gift is indispensable. Do you get that? Your gift is indispensable. So if you have the gift of hospitality, you need to connect with, with Paula and you need to tell her, I, I, I know I have that gift. When Doug was talking about that, that was me. I want to be a part of the hospitality team. Or maybe your gift is hospitality, but like Joel, you love young people. Then, then plug in with the youth and help make them feel welcome when they come. You can work in their chat space, which is their little cafe that they have. But, but get involved, get plugged in. If your gift is playing an instrument, if God has gifted you musically, we desperately need you. I have this vision of four guitars players every Sunday because I really like guitar players, but we don't have enough guitar players. So if you play the guitar, we need you. If you play the bass, we need you. If you understand uh, things like web streaming, today would have been a great day because Brian's up there and he can't be back there. So look what happened today. We didn't have enough people who working in all of their gifts. Somebody in this room could have fixed that in one minute, right? But we don't know who you are. And so today, the body didn't function the way the body is supposed to function. Will we get by? Of course we will. Will we survive? Sure. But we're not functioning the way God wants us to function until we are all plugged in. Maybe you're a builder and we, we need you. If you got that gift of administration, I just sat with one of the ministry leaders this week and they said, man, I need administrative help. I'm getting bogged down doing all my administration. I don't have the time to do ministry. Someone in this room is gifted with administration and can give that person eight, 10 hours a week, whatever it is, and it'll give you life and it'll give them a chance to do what they're supposed to do. And then the body is going to function the way the body is supposed to function. Spiritual gifts, their abilities given through the Holy Spirit to every believer to glorify God for the betterment of people. And it's not enough just to know what your gifts are. You have to know where to use them. And this is where your passion comes in. And I think it's important to talk about both gifts and passions because we can have a gift at doing something, but if we apply it in the wrong place, it, it really doesn't bring life to us. So I know that God has given me, and I've known it for a long time, the, the gift of teaching. And, and, and I know that's been a part of who I am even back in my business days. I spent a lot of time uh, helping people to do things and I would do uh, conferences and talk and stuff like that. So, so it comes very naturally for me to do this. But what I also know is I'm way better at talking to adults than I am with kids. And it's not that I don't like kids, it's just that God has given me a, a passion to, to help adults be healthy. That in my mind, I know that if I can help parents to be healthy, if I can help leaders to be healthy, that that's going to trickle down. So I'm more motivated. I'm more passionate about helping older people to be healthy so that they can raise families that are healthy. Now, that's not a bad thing. That's just how I'm wired. So even back you know, 18 years ago when we started Eagle Sports, which is now called Sword Detroit, I started that. My motivation was never to do sports. My motivation was to use something to get to the families, to help parents to have what parents needed so that they could be healthier, so that they could have an impact on their kids. They have way more impact on their children than I'm ever gonna have doing a soccer league, but I knew if we could get to the 
adults that we could help them to be better with the kids. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, know your passion. Know how to uh, apply your passion. What are you passionate about? What is it that, that you think about often? Is it young people? Is it youth? Is it is it the cafe, man, you just would love to get your hands on that cafe and do some things in there. You know how it could be. Like, there are things that you're just going to be passionate about. And you need to take your spiritual gifts and you need to align them with your passions if you're going to be a good steward of all that God has given you. I want to say this one more time. We will never be. We, Grace Community Church, cannot be the church that God has called us to be until every one of you are serving in the place and in the way that God has designed you to serve. Do not think that your contribution is gonna be insignificant because it's indispensable. In just a few weeks, we're gonna launch this Saturday service. And I've gotten lots of questions, why would we do it? And um, I wanna just address a little bit of that. And some of the motivation even for this series was knowing that we were gonna need to redeploy this congregation if the Saturday service was gonna be successful. But first, let me just tell you, um, doing the Saturday service is not for the staff. Um, this makes our life way harder. Uh, it changes my weekend substantially. Anybody who's leading worship, it changes their weekend substantially. Any of us who are involved in the weekend gathering, having a Saturday service is not for us, it's for you. We are not doing it because we want to work another day or be here on Saturdays. We're doing it because we think the Spirit of God has called us to do it. We think that it will help people to be more consistent at coming to church. I was at an event yesterday. Meg and I paddleboarded at Belle Isle in a race, and one of the guys that was there that goes to Grace, I got talking to him, and he said, I'm so excited about the Saturday service. I think my family can start being a little more consistent during the summer when we really can't get there because of so much going on. Now we have an option that's different than Sunday morning. So... One person emailed me. I just want to read a couple of emails because I think it helps to give you an idea about the Saturday service. It says, for me, the Saturday service is an answer to four years of prayer. Four years ago, I had to go back to work full-time. Working in the medical field, I'm required to work weekends, which means every other weekend uh, I'm at work. Uh, that's two Sundays that I automatically miss. Then you add vacations, dance competitions, uh, et cetera, and there ends up being long stretches where I'm not able to be at church. I watch online, but it's nowhere like being assembled with the body of believers worshiping God. I have been fervently praying God to open up a way for me to be at church on a regular basis. And look what happened. God answered my prayers, and I'm thrilled to be able to now be at church each week. And I look forward to the Saturday service starting up. There's a person who isn't able to attend, who now is able to attend on Saturdays. Another person emailed and said, I'm so excited about Saturday evening services because the day seems more of a Sabbath to our family. Saturday is one day where we rest, we reflect, we relax, and we spend quality time together. Sundays are increasingly becoming a work-type day with kids' sporting events, homework, chores, grocery shopping, preparing for the week ahead. Let me know what you need me to do and how we can serve on Saturdays. I talked to a group of young people who said that they're going to all come on to the Saturday service and then they all want to go to dinner right after the service together. It's at five o'clock, so it'll be a good time. If you get out of here by 6.30 or 7, go out to dinner. I love that people are starting to plan that. In a lot of ways, what we're doing with the Saturday service is a church plant. It's a new movement of God's spirit, but it's in our building. 
And like any church plant, what we need is we need people who are willing to make a sacrifice and leave what they're comfortable with Sunday morning and plug into Saturday night so that we have the, the critical mass that we need. And here's the deal. We really need about 300 of you with your families. We need about 300 people to say Saturday is going to become my primary service. Now, we're not going to you know, kick you out if you said you're coming to Saturday, but you get into a pinch and you gotta come on Sunday. The idea is this is where I most commonly go is Saturday. We need about 300 people for two reasons. One, we need a critical mass in the room so that it doesn't feel like it's, there's nobody here. And also because we won't fit come September. It's already crowded and we already know that, that there's fewer people coming in the summer because of travel and everything else. We literally won't fit in the room if we don't shift about 300 people or so to the Saturday service. So you're being asked to make a choice. You're being asked to physically choose what service are you going to make a priority for you. And you're being asked to put your spiritual gifts into play. If there was something that would come out of today's sermon is that every single one of you would commit to serving at least one weekend experience a month. A lot of you serve way more than that and we're grateful for it. But, but, but if you are not willing to put your spiritual gifts into play, we cannot be the church that God has called us to be. So if you look in the back of your seats, if you're in the front row, you can have them hand them over. There's a little card that has the B on it. Some of you are saying, I already filled this out, but I'm gonna ask you to fill it out again. We even put on the top first response, second response. Some of you are gonna write in there fourth response. It's okay. Um, we wanna know if you've already responded just so when we go through the cards. I'm gonna ask every person in the room to fill out the card. And what we're asking from you in these next few minutes, there's pens there, the cards are there, make sure everybody has one, is we're asking you to tell us, what are your gifts? What are you passionate about? Where do you wanna serve? We're asking you to decide what service you wanna go to. And we're asking you to begin to pray about who you're gonna invite to the service as we move this. This makes a whole new opportunity for us to invite our friends. It's a pretty cool opportunity just to say, hey, my church is starting this new service on Saturday night. You wanna come check it out with me? Right? It's an easy invitation for you to make. So who are you gonna invite? There's another thing on here about giving an hour a week to help a child to read. We'd love for you to do that as well. But we're gonna have you fill these cards out. I'm gonna wait for just a minute. Maybe Brian will play a nice, lovely fill out the form music while we're waiting. And then once you get them filled out, we're actually gonna collect them here in just a moment, and then I'll bring the service to a close. So just take a minute, fill this out. Brian, play something really motivating for him. No pressure. He's back there scrambling. I don't have anything. With to laugh, be more hard and less attacked. Be the wheel, not the track. Be the wonder that's coming back. Son, you need to fill out a card. Right okay. Be more hard and less attacked. You have extra cards, is that what you're trying to say? Oh, we're gonna have you pass them all to the outside of the aisles and just collect them down the aisle when you're ready. I'll do that in a minute. You're always ahead of me. Administration, she has a gift of administration. Here we see it in action. So when you're done, if you just wanna pass it to the outside of the aisle, so this section, just pass all your cards that way. Here, just pass all your cards that way. It'll make it easier for them to collect them.
So just pass them to the outside aisles. That would be great. Hey, I'm going to pray for us. Um, we've been, for the last few months, uh, meeting in the back. There's people who meet, and they ask the Lord, what is it that you want to do today in the service? Uh, and we have found, uh, for many of you, this has been an important moment. So, so uh, whether we talk about a kidney problems, some of you come up and say, you know, I just got diagnosed with, I just found out. Uh, it gives us a chance to pray more specifically for you. We know there's other things, uh, but this morning as the group was praying, what they heard was that there's some people in the room that are having neck pain and that it's probably bone related, uh, that there's some of you that are dealing with a great deal of fear and despair over the world events. That makes a lot of sense to me. And that there's some people in the room that are suffering with some lower back pain. We would like to just pray for you. So the prayer team is down here. Uh, we just invite you to take a step of faith and just say, look, I believe that God wants to do something in my life. Will you just pray for me? And uh, what we find out is when we're obedient and do that, God often shows up and does more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So, uh, Lord, we just ask right now that you would uh, just guide our hearts and our minds. I pray that we would be motivated to to give back, to serve in the way that you've gifted us to serve, knowing that we can't be the church that you've called us to be until we are all engaged. Even if we think what we offer is insignificant, may we just know deep in our hearts that we are gifted and we are indispensable. Help us to live out that truth that we saw today in scripture. Lord, I pray that people would just be bold to come down and allow the ministry team to pray over them. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a good, good father that you invite us into more than we can ask, think, or imagine according to the spirit that's at work within us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Bless you. You have a great Sunday afternoon.